Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Rolling, take one. I didn't want to say rocket yet because I know that's our summer plans and we're going to talk about it later. Is it going to be all right? Hello and welcome to All Through a Lens. This is a podcast about film photography where we discuss a little bit more than just film photography. I'm Vanya. I'm Eric. And welcome, won't you, to the season finale of All Through a Lens. This is one hell of a show and we are, dare I say, stoked. We've got such an incredible guest in Ian Miller-Wilson. You might recognize his last name, Miller-Wilson, from Kate, his mother. Ian appears in a slew of her photos, so if you've seen her work, you've seen him, and we've got them both on together, and it's really awesome. We'll also be keeping Kate around to talk about the nearly forgotten photographer, Nell Dorr. Stick around for that. That's really fun. We'll talk about our summer plans, there's a zine review, and Tiffin fucking Sinclair will be dropping by, so let's get started on this extra-long, extra-action-packed season finale. But before we get started on that, Vanya, how the hell are you? I'm great. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. So this is pre-recorded, Vanya. I don't, how do you mean? What do you, are you, who am I talking to right now? (laughs) Okay, this episode comes out the day I get home from my first trip of the summer. Okay. So this is pre-recorded, Vanya. I'm assuming I had a really good time. <laughs> okay, so by the time this airs, you'll be back. I will be back, okay. yes. Hopefully nice and toasted, and hopefully my knees are still functional. But that's always what I hope for when I get back from vacation. Yeah, and of course, I'll be exhausted. It's a 20-plus hour drive. Sure. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be some van camping. I'm going to be dirty. I may or may not pay for a hot shower. We've gone for about 10 days, so taking lots of film, shooting a lot of pictures, and hopefully catching some sick waves. Kawabunga. So in the next week and a half, you'll be driving 40 hours, pretty much nonstop. Yep. Well, 20 and 20, but pretty much nonstop both of those times. Yep. That's bonkers. Yes, it is. How about you? What have you been up to? Well, even though I'm not going on any sort of trip while you're in Mexico, maybe a day trip or whatever, so I'm I'm feeling like you're stressed a little bit, like I'm some empathetic vampire. I think it's because we've got to get this whole podcast thing wrapped up, and we're recording all of our segments kind of out of order. It's a mess. My my brain is frizzle frying. It's pretty pretty bonkers. Insert Primus. So when you're gone, I'll be doing some editing. This episode, the various dev parties, but mostly I really, really hope to just kind of relax, whatever whatever my version of relaxing is. Taking some time off from me since I will be out of reception for quite some time. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, let's just keep it at, I'm going to be relaxing. I was thinking about doing all of the Godzilla Heisei movies, like the ones from the 80s and 90s, because there's a reason that Godzilla versus Destroya has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. This has nothing to do with photography, but you know, I think maybe I need a break, just a little break, a little relaxing. 
I'm probably going to do an overnight trip into Eastern Washington, take a bunch of photos, come home, develop them, scan them, sort of like I normally do. And it probably won't be much of a break at all. Hmm. Yeah. But most of it, one of the things we need to do, both of us, is kind of get ready for our own trip that we're doing after you get back from the first trip you're doing. The trips and the time thing get very confusing. Yeah, it's kind of back to back. It's kind of what happened last time too. Uh, This trip is kind of something that I want to do every year. But last year with the pandemic, we did not go because they asked everybody not to come. So this year it's open and everybody in my family is vaccinated and it's happening. So very excited. But yeah, I think I have a week between trips. So I will be like developing and being a crazy person when we get back. But I'm sure we could at least do a couple dev parties. If you go to Eastern Washington and shoot, you're going to want to develop. So yeah, we should do something. Hey, we will let's make a date out of we'll it. We'll see what we have. We'll see. But if you're a Patreon supporter, you've heard us talk about all of our trip planning that we're doing, and we're probably going to be talking a little bit more about that for the June bonus episode that we do. I have about three weeks on my own after you depart in Montana somewhere. So I'll be driving around America sometime for about three weeks after that. I don't know what I'm doing. Will I make it to Kansas? Will I do a bunch of national grasslands? Probably. What I don't want to do is just kind of wing it. I don't like doing that. I'm not a fan. So if you, the listeners, know of any sites that I simply must take in that fall somewhere between the Rockies and the Mississippi River, maybe let me know and and quickly <laughs> so I can get my shit together. <laughs> Each episode, we pose a question to our listeners. In turn, they call us up and leave a voice message, giving us their insight, answers, and silliness. And by leave us a message, we mean they send us a voice message on Instagram, and you can too. So what was the question we asked this time around? Well, this is one that we kind of we kind of asked for listeners a long time ago because of our weird recording schedule. And I kind of just posted it on Instagram saying, hey, everybody, quick, can you answer this? And we got one hell of a response to the question, What does your film photographic summer look like? This is exciting. I think everybody's ready to be out. I think they are. I really do. Hello. No one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi, Eric and Vanya. This is Jaya. Uh, Long-time listener, first-time caller. So my summer plans revolve mainly around alternative process. Um, I've got a little bit obsessed over the last several months mainly with cyanotypes and a little bit into anthotypes, um, planning on making further progress with those, but also hopefully I would like to try out some salt prints. Um, but that means making a dark room in my house, which is another summer plan, and perhaps even dabbling in large format in order to get bigger negatives. That sounds like a packed summer. It is. And what a, what a message to start with, really. I mean, that's just like yeah. a lot of goals. One of the things I think would be kind of fun to do is touch base with some of these folks and see if they followed through on any of their plans. <laughs> <laughs> Way to put Jaya under the yeah. bus already. You know, I mean, look. The funny thing is we talked about Jaya today because I was like, hey, do you think like he would mind driving like 15 hours to, you know, watch us light fires. <laughs> I didn't want to say rocket yet because I know that's our summer plans and we're going to talk about it later. Okay. <laughs> we can mention him later then too. 
Hi, this is Suzanne. For the summer, I am really trying to explore more with my self-portraiture, which I started doing because of a project that I'm currently working with a mentor on about aging and how I am, I kind of struggle with it, but I also embrace it. And so I really hope to delve more into that and do a lot of self-portraiture. Ooh, I really like that a lot. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting idea. I don't, and it mm-hmm. sounds like generic things we're saying, but I was actually thinking about aging a little bit today. Mm. Uh, I read something, and we're going to be getting to her quite a bit later in the show. Nell Dorr, she wrote this thing about aging. I read it to you last night. Do you remember that? I do. Can you say it again for all our listeners? She says, I'm not nearly as conscious of my age as others seem to be. Now, she was around, I think, in her 70s, maybe a little little older than that when she said this, when she wrote this. George Bernard Shaw is supposed to have said, is that all they can remember about me? How old I am? And he was kind of old, so I get that. We don't have any alternative to growing older, and it happens so slowly that we are not really aware of it. A day passes unnoticed until it becomes yesterday, and suddenly we are older. If you were to ask a child how it feels to be young, he wouldn't know how to answer. I know how it feels to be sick, and I know how it feels to have pain, and how it feels to experience joy, but I don't know how it feels to be old. Perhaps I have more understanding of other people than I did when I was younger. I know that I have more time to love, and more conviction that love is the answer. I I think it's it's an interesting idea that we don't don't really know what it's like to grow old. No, it's just... Happening. It's just happening. It's just we're still us. There is some moments I I I turn on the light to brush my teeth in the morning and I'm like, holy <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Who is this? When I was a kid, I used to stare at myself in the mirror, like, what am I gonna look like when I get older? Like I was obsessed with the idea of there was no possible way that I would ever look like an adult. I was always gonna look like little me. Is that why you dress like a toddler? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you wear bib overalls a lot. What? There's pockets in it, okay? Oh, I, I like it. pockets. No, it's fine. It's fine. This summer, I'm going to be releasing my first photography book about mental health and uh, just some shots that I got over the past year. All shot on film and pretty lonely and, you know, moody shots about some of my deepest parts of depression. But overall, I'm been working through it and I'm really excited to release the project. Hopefully it can be an encouragement to folks. So that's my big plan for the summer. That sounds intense. It does. And exciting at the same time. I hope it's also fun. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I think taking something that you went through like that and maybe having or gaining some fun through it. I don't think, is that asking too much? I mean, maybe not for everybody. I don't know. I think it's a special way to work through some feelings that maybe we don't like to deal with in yeah. a very artistic way. Well, maybe it makes uh, maybe it makes it a little more easy to like that. You love photography. That's why you're doing this. You mm-hmm. love making photos and, and making a book out of photos. Mm-hmm. So maybe flooding these this horrible thing you went through with something you love is it's a good idea. I think so. Hello, this is Jaffa. Uh, my project for the summer is going to be shooting at a tobacco farm. It's something I've been wanting to do for a long time. And I've hooked up with a farmer who's going to allow me to shoot there all year. So hopefully this will be a, 
a summer project that'll last until next summer. Uh, thanks for the show. Ooh, that's exciting. It is, yeah. It seems like such a, like an old traditional thing that is very American for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> well, it is very American. Not that there isn't tobacco in other continents, but it is very American. I grew up around tobacco farmers in Pennsylvania, which is most mm. people don't associate Pennsylvania with tobacco, but they were Amish. They grew their own tobacco. Mm. Yeah. Wait, so Amish people smoke? Oh, yeah. They have pipes. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. I would like to see what it looks like in the seasons, like how, yeah. what happens, what changes happen for farmers and what do they do in the wintertime? Play pinochle? Maybe. Well, summer in Canada is looking promising and with the vaccinations rolling out, we were told that summer might be close going back to normal. So I actually have a trip planned to go to Saskatchewan in a few weeks. Um, never been there. I don't know what to expect, so we'll see. And I also have a camping trip or two lined up, and I always use that as a chance to do some astrophotography because the light pollution in the city just makes it impossible. And so there's that. And if everything goes well, maybe, just maybe, I might have a zine for you, Eric and Vanya. So, saying that for accountability. There you go. <laughs> well, we'll be checking in with her to see if she's been working on that when we get back home. That's the whole reason we do these, is to hold you accountable. <laughs> <laughs> the, the night photography, I always mean to do it when I'm camping, but it mm -hmm. stays light here so late. And you get so sleepy when you're camping that I can't stay awake long enough for the stars to come out. Oh, God. And Ariella is even farther north than I am, so good luck. Well, you have to find no light pollution. It has to be super dark, and those are like, what, 20, 30-minute exposures, right? I don't know. I'm sleeping. <laughs> Hi. My summer goal, um, I got a couple new cameras recently. I was really lucky to get them. And my summer goal is to figure out really well how they work. Simple. Love it. Yeah, that's perfect. Yep. I should do that too. <laughs> I'm planning on doing that with the, the Fulmer and Schwing camera. Yeah. Yeah, I may not. I haven't heard too much about that camera. Very. Well, the focus is off and I'm trying to figure out. I need I need a shimmy. Oh, okay. Hi, this is Chris at NC Film Freak on the Instabooks. Um, I'm excited about my summer plans, mainly because I'm just excited in general with film photography. I'm new to it, and uh, I just bought a CNC MX-10 underwater camera I can't wait to use on a beach trip and a lake trip with my kids. And then also, I'm going to Virginia to do the Triple Crown Loop, which is a 35-mile trail running event I'm going to do with some friends, and um, I'm hoping to get a Olympus XA to do the trip, but if not, I'll just probably take a little point and shoot and definitely capture the day with my friends. And then also, this summer, I just want to get into more medium format, especially portraits. I bought a Yashica Matt 124G a couple weeks ago, and I can't wait to take some portraits. Ooh, that's a, that's a packed summer. He's up there with Jaya when it comes to summers. Yeah, 
it's so exciting. So one thing with the underwater camera, just make sure to soak it in fresh water after you're done using it. If you're by the beaches because of salt and sand and all that stuff, it'll stay clean and not leaky inside. If you're if you're at freshwater places, do you need to do that? I would. Okay. Just, you know, if there's like particle, you know, moss or fungus or Barnacles. whatever is in the water, it's just good to just kind of do like a, a rinse. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. The trail running thing sounds very exciting. I wish I could trail run. Like you see those pictures of people like running on trails. I love that. But my problem is when I walk, I fall. <laughs> so if I ran, oh my goodness, my ankles are like, ugh. I could just see them just like buckle underneath me. Like, uh, Unless someone's like actually chasing me, there's, I'm, I'm not running. <laughs> I will hike all day. No problem. But running? Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. But good luck. I hope you seek and destroy the Triple Crown. Also, and good luck with the Yushika mat. Those are joyous cameras. I, I love mine. It's light and they're beautiful. Indeed. Hey guys, Ricardo here, calling from sunny Madrid. My plans are this summer, insanely hot summer, going back to the south of Spain and continue a series that started last year load some p30 on my camera and shoot the andalusian on landscapes and people also tried experimenting with some new films i've found and bought just for that and maybe maybe try fronts who knows that it should be the French tourism boards ad campaign? <laughs> Maybe France, question mark. <laughs> Maybe France. I don't know. Maybe France. <laughs> Have you shot P30 yet? Yeah. So I've seen your photos with P30? Yes. <laughs> what did I think of them? <laughs> Gosh, it was um, in my Minolta XC7. Mm-hmm. It was the role that I shot when I was driving through Texas. Oh, yeah. So Small towns it was like and all that the, kind of stuff. The crazy Trump building that I haven't, I mean, I haven't posted any of these because it's like, okay, well, you know. No, I get it. <laughs> this, yeah, maybe in a hundred years it'll be interesting, but <laughs> it's definitely not now. It's a very silvery film. You kind of like have to nail it. Okay. Hi, this is Ralph Brandy. Uh, there is no cat pretty much everywhere. But plans for the summer... So it's been about three years since I took my last wet play class at Penumbra in New York. But last Sunday, we got our portrait taken by Vanessa at Armadillo Tintype. And it was so inspiring being around her and around the process again that I'm really fired up to actually finish uh, getting ready and set up and taking my first uh, home-based tintypes. Uh, I've got some. I've got all the chemistry. I just needed to solve the dark box issue, and I think I've got a solution for that. And so by Memorial Day, I'm going to be, my plan is to be making tintypes at home. Yay! It's so awesome that he got to get his photo taken by Vanessa. I know, so so lucky. So cool. I don't know if we had (laughs) anything to do with that, but I'm going to pretend that we did. We had Vanessa on two episodes ago, and if you haven't listened to that, you probably should. She was a wonderful interview. Yeah, don't cut in line. Get back to 43. (laughs) Hey, all. It's uh, Federico from Italy. 
I'm finishing to develop some Street Candy Mountain 100. Uh, plans for the film photography plans for the summer is uh, just taking pictures to be fair. You know, after being in lockdown in the same city, you know, for the past year almost, it's just taking pictures. So I'm heading up the center of Italy uh, in the region called Umbria and as well as Tuscany. And I'm going to be spending two weeks over there and it's just I already have my film bag ready full of film so it's that it's just taking pictures and uh, having fun and you know feeling free photography for me is it's so much and it's liberating and I miss it is he driving? Is he taking the train? How is he getting there? I want to know. He has to keep us updated. I want to see stories. <laughs> is this how people feel when they listen to dev parties? I have to like really pee now. Oh, do you? Because he was developing? Yeah. Ah, oh my God. He got your back. This is karma. Yes, it is. Hey there. This is uh, Wyatt Shoots Film on Instagram and longtime listener, first time caller. But as far as the summer, I'm all over the place with all the cameras I have. But one of my main focuses will be my White Lux that I just picked up. And what I want to do is go to state fairs, carnivals, fairs, all that. Um, I started last week, and I think it will just be interesting with that perspective from the White Lux. And who knows, maybe I can make a zine. Yeah. My mouth is open. I'm it, sorry. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's going to go to state fairs. I want to go. He's going to go to state <laughs> fairs. I, I told you about my state fair idea. Yeah. And I invited myself and I said that I would be your other photographer on the other side of the state so we could crisscross and meet up at the state state. So Iowa fair. has 99 counties and each county has a county fair. Some of these county fairs happen at the same time. So this would take a lot of a lot of precision driving, a lot of work and maybe two photographers. I would like to hit every single county fair in Iowa. And they all culminate with the state fair. And I don't want to do it during like like a presidential election year because that just sounds awful, but I'd like to do that. It would take well it would take 4 or 5 months however long the the, the county fair season is. And a lot of travel and man, I don't know, would I get sick of Iowa? I'm not sure. Part of me says yes, and then part of me says no. But I'd like to find it depends. out. Depends. I mean, how much do you like churros? I I mean, fair food is is kind of off limits for me. So cotton candy? I can have cotton candy. Okay. Yeah. No deep fried butter though. Probably not deep fried butter. No. <laughs> I probably I would have to stay away from deep fried anything. And our last one. Hey friends, I hope y'all are well. Uh, this is Kat Swansea down here in Texas. I'm super excited because I have my first trip of what is now considered summer in Texas, considering it's 100 degrees here. But I'm actually getting ready to take off and head to the Panhandle and visit Archer City and Thalia, Texas. Archer City is where my favorite author, Larry McMurtry, was from. He passed away a couple of months ago, and his books inspired me so much as a kid and really spoke to just what it was like growing up in a small town in Texas and have continued to inspire me throughout my adult life and with shooting film. So it's almost a pilgrimage of sorts. I'm really excited to go up to Archer City and see where he was from and shoot as much film as I possibly can. Um, so yeah, really excited to get those shots and share them out with everybody. All right, bye. 
Mm, yeah. I miss her. <laughs> <laughs> Does, it feels weird. Like I have to, we have to have like an excuse to have people back on. It's like we should just be able to just like have them come and check in with us. Maybe we can figure that out somehow. It's a very exciting trip. It is. With a lot of purpose and meaning. I like that. I mean, Larry McMurtry, he died this year. He wrote a ton of books. I mean, obviously his his Lonesome Dove series was the, the big one, but he did Brokeback Mountain as well and Last Picture Show and Terms of Endearment. Kind of a lot of stuff. He was a really, really important writer. I love that her trip has a purpose. And I think I think I need to start doing more things like that. Almost like like she said, pilgrimages. I don't mm-hmm. I don't really have things like that. I mean in a way, in a way, Terry Montana is that for me. And in a way, maybe Encampment Wyoming will be that, but there has to be something more. And I did, I used to do things like that, like following the Oregon Trail or, or some old road or specifically hitting a certain town, but that was all more for photography. You know, I know that she's photographing all of this, but it seems to be a little bit, maybe I don't mean deeper than photography, but something other than photography involved here. Mm -hmm. And I would like that. Maybe I'll get it. Thank you, everybody, for calling in and giving us your summer plans. I hope everybody stays super safe out there. Be careful on the roads. And and watch out for snakes. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, we've had so many people call in to answer. I guess it's our turns. Sure. Really quick. Re- really quick. What What are you doing? What are you doing this summer, Vanya? <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to the next trip that's happening, which is I'll be in a few states, eventually meeting up with my mom. Aww. Uh, so my mom is like 73, I think. Okay. She's been a mother her whole life. She's had six kids and we're all like pretty far apart. So she's been like raising children since she was 18 years old. Damn. She decided to get on the road and she's been camping and she took her, she has like a little trailer and she's just kind of roaming around. She wants to see the United States. She wants to see, she's always wanted to. She's from South America. She's from Chile. She talks to everybody. She's this hilarious uh, fire lady. <laughs> and I'm really excited for her. So I'm meeting up with her in Montana and we will be kind of like roaming around together for a little bit. Luckily in separate cars. <laughs> <laughs> but but we'll be camping together yeah. and I'm just I'm really excited. This is like something really special and I'm so glad that she finally stopped saying, "Oh, maybe next year. Oh, I'll do it eventually." and just finally said, "I need to do this because I'm getting old. If I'm going to drive this many miles, I I need to do it now." Yeah. You do. So if you're waiting, <laughs> if you guys are waiting, don't. I mean, and I'm not trying to be mean because look, like not everybody has the opportunity to do like super fancy stuff. And this isn't like fancy stuff. This is like getting in your car, driving, camping, like maybe free camping at the at best case scenario. When I go like on vacation, you know, you see, or you go to Hawaii or something and you see like this old couple, they're like in their eighties, like barely can walk, you know, they're like retired. And I'm just like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be yeah. <laughs> barely walking at 80 and then finally go get to enjoy my life. I want to try to like kind of get in these these trips as much as possible. So that's kind of my plan this summer. <laughs> no, and I agree. I think, you know, we spend money on a lot of things. As photographers, we spend a lot of money on cameras and film, and that's that's fine. But maybe take some of that money and put it towards travel, mm-hmm. you know? 
having these experiences is so much more important and so much better for our, our mental health and just, just life than buying things. You know, oh, I absolutely agree. Maybe stop buying, like if you buy things regularly every every day or every week, like like coffee or or something like snacks or whatever, just maybe cut back a little bit, put that money towards travel. Even if it's a day trip or an overnight or something, just figure that out because yeah. you're gonna remember, you're gonna remember the places that you've seen and the places and the things you've experienced more than you're gonna remember like just a lazy day a lazy weekend day off or my God, like a work day. If you can take yeah, off work of to travel, do it because you're, it's going to mean so much more to you than just sitting there working. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So that's kind of like it. August, I don't have any plans at all. Probably not doing much. Uh, Marley will be in band camp. <laughs> it's <laughs> AKA like high some kind of boot camp I would say it's like 12 hours a day for like a, two weeks or something and she has to like go and march on the field or I don't understand how band camp is legal I don't think it no, is it's, it's absolutely child abuse I don't understand how it exists <laughs> it's been this way for decades like in the hot with the polyester are you guys insane yeah. poor things I'm going to like get her like a one of those little like water packs <laughs> so she can just have that like on her. She's, you know, she's doing a uh, percussion. She'll be drumming, which is awesome. Yeah. Not much going on in August. And then I'm hoping like in September and October, I have a couple more trips. Oh, cool. Just because that's like my favorite time to travel. All right, Eric. Oh, Vanya. Eastern Washington, Chamonix, what's going on? Uh, Well, I don't really know. Apart from traveling with you, I don't know. So I'm really kind of lost. So I'm, I'm putting that in the back burner. I'll figure that shit out. Photographically speaking, I'm taking the Chamonix, maybe the Graflex, but definitely the lens that I've been using for the Graflex because I'm in love with it. And there's the RB67. And I'm going to take a smallish toyish camera, probably not the Holga. I'm not sure what though. Maybe the Ansco Color Clipper. Not sure. But mm. I might even take the Mamiya 645 as kind of a backup camera in case the RB67 bites it. I have no reason to think that it will. The RB67 is built like a tank, so it could last forever, but it would suck to find yourself in the middle of like Wyoming and you're down an RB67. So I like to have a backup. So there we go. As far as themes for the summer go, I want to do something different, but I don't know what that different thing is. So I probably won't do anything differently. I'd like to maybe approach people for their photos, but I probably won't. I always want to do that. It's like you're like a National Geographic like photographer, but you're like approaching people. <laughs> you're like, shh, you guys, look over here. It's another Subaru. <laughs> you can tell he has Chacos. Follow the Chaco tracks. What are the fuck are Chacos? They're like those like Tiva looking shoes. Oh God, I absolutely <laughs> don't have those. Sneakers, please. So I'm thinking about doing more four by fives inside towns, you know, putting up the tripod. I did that in this in Seattle over the winter and I got kind of used to it. I think maybe I can apply those skills to small Midwestern towns, maybe, but I also wouldn't mind finding a place and exploring it for a few days, like getting a base and maybe working out of there for a few days. I don't know though. I'm kind of, like I said, I'm very open. If you've got suggestions, let me know. Yo, what is up, my dudes? Tiff and Sinclair dropping in one last time before we all embark on our summer adventures. Jeez, it feels like I haven't spoken to all of you in a hot, hot minute, but uh, super stoked to hear that some of you will be spending time behind a camera this summer. Nice. As for me, this homebody has quite a few plans lined up. 
Over the past month or so, I have been rage planning my summer like it's nobody's business. I recently came into possession of a 1970s Toyota Supra, so as a SoCal native, you know I'm going to be driving that puppy trucker down the 101 like I stole it. And hey, as far as you all know, I probably did. But photographically speaking, when it comes to gear, the top picks for this season are the Mamiya RB67 with a 645 back, which I have so lovingly nicknamed the RB645, and my Canon P rangefinder for 35mm. Like I said, I will be hitting the road as early as the first week of July and whatever happens from there on out is pretty much up in the air, but I wanted to narrow down my kit in order to simplify the whole documenting process and not pop a vein as I pop open my trunk and struggle to figure out which medium format camera I should use to photograph a roadside diner, or whichever photographic cliche I encounter, you know? The RB645 will be my go-to when it comes to capturing all the mega-worthy, evocatively nostalgic scenes I come across. The Canon P is reserved for taking embarrassingly cringe photos of my buds, because I won't be out on my own. I'll be accompanied by two of my closest friends, and like, a shit ton of plant-based beef jerky. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're all vegetarians, and contrary to popular belief, we don't photosynthesize. Most of the time. So we have to get our nutrients somehow, right? (laughs) But on a serious note, that's how I'll be spending the first part of my summer driving down the coast, hitting all the pin-dropped locations on my Maps app, and probably getting into a bit of trouble, all with a camera around my neck. And can I open up for a second? I've gotten really into taking pictures just for the sake of doing so, you know? Before I used to have this mindset of shooting for the gram, but now that I have detached myself from that ideology, I'm kind of just going with the flow and shooting what catches my eye, even if it does turn out to be a waste of film in the end. Who cares? This summer, I challenge you to shoot and shoot freely. Use all the cameras you want, or prove to yourself that you've gotten over your commitment issues and stick to your one and only. Regardless, I hope you all have fun and make some killer memories. I cannot wait to see what y'all shill out. That's gonna do it for me, folks. I gotta go check the fluids on the Supra. See ya! We interviewed Kate Miller-Wilson in episode 14, so most of you are probably familiar with her work, especially the photos of her son, Ian. Together, they have made some of the most ethereal and captivating photos you've ever seen. It seems like it's been ages, so we asked her to come back, but this time with Ian. So let's give them both a call. Hey! Cool. So thank you guys so much for coming on and doing this with us. So we interviewed your mom last year, Ian, and it seems that most of our listeners are really familiar with her work. They really dig it. But could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I like visiting waterfalls and uh, like I've seen like 140 something of them. I think I've like... I think somewhere close to to 150, like 148 or something. Wow. And you're 14. Yep. And you're just finished ninth grade. Yeah. Skipped uh, grade. No kidding. Nice. Congratulations. (laughs) I do remember on one of the photos your mom posted, she was talking about, it was by a waterfall. And that you were really interested in the waterfall. And it was, I don't know if it was difficult to get the picture. Well, the waterfall was very, it was probably a little more interesting than than getting a picture <laughs> taken, to be honest. <laughs> well, yeah, the waterfall is more interesting than the camera. Like, 
Hands down. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on your perspective, but yeah. <laughs> well, for me, that's how it is. <laughs> yeah, it's not just like that you've seen it. Like, how? what do you mean? Like, where, like, say, if you went to Mount Rushmore, it never changes. So it's like, all right, I saw that. <laughs> it's not actually that interesting, so can we go now? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's very true. <laughs> I've been yeah. there uh, twice, and it was yeah. <laughs> maybe t- two times too many. I don't know. <laughs> I've never been there. <laughs> I guess I'm not missing much then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, you're not seeing anything more than you see in pictures of it, honestly. You know, like, that's how it works. Yeah. Can you describe what it's like to have autism in case people listening don't know how it feels? When uh, it's really going, it makes you feel like you're, like, slap happy, kind of, but Hmm. without, like, the laughing part of it. Yeah. Just basically, like, it's not in control and that your mind just spirals off in random directions. And uh, those directions make sense to you, but to no one else. Mm -hmm. Like... Say, if I were to add in, oh, you know that we have a kitchen that's forest green or something. Right. And it wouldn't be, it's kind of random. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk about trying to connect with other people at all or anything like that? Yeah. Them not being able to understand you means that you can't connect with them very well. I mean, I think it gets a little better as you get older. Mm. So, like, my off, as I call it, for when, for when I'm more autistic, that, like, my off now isn't what it was earlier, like, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Like, now it's just that I'm kind of random and, like, that I'm just kind of, like hyper and distractible that's okay (laughs) same (laughs) yeah we we all know that feeling a little bit (laughs) yes well yeah except for more so like i will like try and uh, pinch my seven-year-old brother for absolutely no reason just Uh oh (laughs) better not to do that yeah my (laughs) mind thinks that it's a good idea for some reason or like i wonder what will happen if i do this (laughs) what happens (laughs) yeah Yeah, let's make a chart and see which times he tries, like, and see which times he growls, which times he ignores it, and which times he tries to pinch me back. Hmm. (laughs) I like that you've made it into a science. I really appreciate that. (laughs) Scientific study. I like it. (laughs) So what does it mean to embrace neurodiversity? Basically to, like, think that it's right for people to be different and it is and that especially with like autism because you can't necessarily control being different and I feel like you should only be the person that is yourself and like don't try to be anyone else that's a great that's, answer that's pretty much it uh, yeah. <laughs> how do you how do you think the photos you do with your mom help with that well, when I'm with my mom, there's like a 
different kind of interaction that we do. Like, it's, I think because she is the one who, like, really wants me to be on the most, that I become more of my normal self around her. Whereas my interaction with, like, say, my brother, on the other hand, is, like, to be crazy. <laughs> Where, like, but that's basically not in the question that was asked, so. <laughs> no, yeah. it's all part of it. <laughs> it is. You're, you're thinking about the pictures, though. How, yeah. how do the pictures show? They help with it? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they directly help with it but they definitely don't harm it <laughs> okay <laughs> so uh, like yeah so what is your relationship with your mom like you mentioned that you're kind of more of yourself around her talk about that a little bit like i feel like i can say whatever i want to say and that i should try and connect with her because she cares about it most and i try hardest like and I like try my hardest around her and uh, whereas Zane has like commented that he doesn't like it when I'm on (laughs) because then I'm then I can't as easily be crazy with him Mm. but really that just means that he should get so he's on more often I mean you know he's not really autistic but he has severe adhd and that kind of hinders interactions sometimes okay that makes sense we adore your mom by the way she's awesome <laughs> sorry <laughs> she's great uh how do you think the relationship with your mom influences the photos you make together it's basically so that when it's like the two of us it's easier And especially because the way that that works is that, like, the pictures of us would, like, say, a screen in front of the camera in between me Mm -hmm. and the camera or, like, leaves in front of my face. Those kinds of pictures are basically showing, like, what it's like to be off, I think. Like, to have a barrier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how do you think, like, you and I together influence the pictures that's a really hard question to answer (laughs) i mean i guess i'll make a stab for it yeah go for it so the relationship between us is basically that if i do a picture that she gets happier and that's good (laughs) but also sometimes i'll get a a reward for it, but not always, and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just mentioning and, it, though. <laughs> like, and that when I don't do a picture, she persists in <laughs> telling me to do the picture. Please, please. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like whenever I'm like, no, she's like, please, please, please. <laughs> I'm already and, uh, set up. All you have to do is just right. go out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, do I'm, your own picture if you want. And then I do sometimes. Yeah. yeah. 
I may or may not do that to my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or like... <laughs> Then uh, she will also like threaten to have like Zane do it for like a piece of candy it's or not something. Not a threat. Zane is also a good. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's a promise. And I'm like, okay, then I'll do it as long as I'm amply rewarded. <laughs> you know, it's a system, and sometimes you just have to work it. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Sally Mann paid her kids by the sheet. Uh, really? It was like 25 cents or 50 cents, but I read that somewhere. Wow. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> eh. Hopefully Marley doesn't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to be like, ba- I have back, back <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> eh. I prefer like candy or iPad time to money like as a reward because with money like you have to like save it up because often like the amount that you get for something isn't enough to buy something and even if you do like it doesn't come immediately whereas like when you want a piece of candy you get it and you get to eat it right away yes it's just a good point (laughs) and that, that yeah yeah absolutely and that follows you into adulthood (laughs) very familiar to me so how long have you been shooting together with your mom almost seven years wow wow that's a long time do you remember the first like the first couple sessions that you guys did yeah i mean at least i remember on like christmas when she got her camera okay before i was used to her shooting with a tiny camera that was like your normal little one point and shoot digital Mm. camera yeah i don't remember what it was and then when she got her Nikon burgundy camera, I was like, whoa, that thing's big. <laughs> and now it's tiny compared to it. <laughs> yeah, and then like after seeing a deer dwarf, like probably like eight of them could fit inside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which then there would probably be like, I don't know, $100,000 or something. Probably not that much. Okay. Yeah, like <laughs> 10000 <laughs> Yeah, I probably way overshot with that one. 10000 I mean, if it's in maybe in mint condition, possibly with like a couple lenses. Yeah, are you talking about the Deardorf plus all of the D3200s inside it that you're putting in there? Or Yeah, I mean like the... <laughs> The, the normal Nikon ones, whatever those. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That kind of sounds like a fun test. We can try that too. Yeah, <laughs> if anybody has. How many deer dwarfs? Yeah. Like what? How many Nikons can you fit inside a deer dwarf? Right. Yeah. Or like how many point and shoots too can you fit inside a deer dwarf? I'm guessing somewhere around like 30 or something. Yeah. I'm I wondering mean, if you stretch the bellows all the way yeah. out. <laughs> I was thinking the <laughs> You could definitely do more, maybe. There's no reason yeah. we can't make this into a contest. Yeah, I mean, it definitely could be like a math problem of some sort. Yeah. Right. You'd sort them out, like, you know, if they angle them a certain way, they fit better mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, maybe without, like, a a big lens. Like, these would have to be small lenses. So or oh, the get kit a lens, small. yeah, that would be the, yeah. would be the mm-hmm. standard. 
to get different perspective on the film versus digital thing. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. I'm honestly more interested in that than photos themselves. <laughs> well, how many? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so when you, when you two do the sessions together, do you, who comes up with the ideas? Um, my mom. Do you have any, do you, do you come up with any of the poses or ideas or is she pretty much the director here? Pretty much the director. I mean, like once in a blue moon, I'll come up with like a pose, but. <laughs> well, sometimes like we just did one last week or something where we snuck into a construction site <laughs> that was behind our house and there were all these tubes, you know, and I like, that was, I, I had my eye on those and it was a cloudy day and it's like, I was doing it. Nice. We snuck in there and you like were pretending to be some kind of dinosaur or something between the tubes. Yeah. But, and that wasn't me. That was just my idea. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. So walk us, walk <laughs> us through like a photo session that you could remember, like how it usually goes. Uh, how does it come together? Well, it's, it usually starts with this question. Would you do a photo for me in like 10 or 15 minutes? And then okay. I, and then I'm like, sure, why not? And the, and sometimes I'm like, well, what kind of photo? Because sometimes I sense a terrible idea coming on. <laughs> <laughs> They're not all easy. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, then, and then I... Like, and then she comes to tell me it's ready after about 10 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, During which time I'm setting up the four by five and pre-focusing it and everything so they don't have to stand there for very long. Um, yeah, and I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, like, and then I stand still while she takes the picture. And uh, that can take anywhere from about... 45 seconds to about four minutes mm-hmm. of, of you standing still or just being or just being there and, and just being present uh still you don't really? usually have to stand till four minutes do you well I mean in the really hard pictures okay mm-hmm. what's the I've never posed for a photo like that what's it like it's basically like playing like night at the museum or something. Like, oh. as when someone looks at you, that you have to stay, like, super still. Like a statue. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. So the photos that you two produce together seem otherworldly and almost like a fairy tale. How much of your own personality comes through in the photographs? Like, my, like... I don't really understand that question much. Okay. Um, well, like an actor in a movie. There are some actors that just kind of just read the script and kind of just go about it. But there's some actors that really put themselves into it and really bring out parts of themselves when they're playing that role. Um, it's towards the script side, I think. Well, like, are you <laughs> pretending to be, is that you that comes out in the picture? Or is it a character? How much of it is you? I guess most of it is me because I am the one like lying down or standing up or sitting in a the 
in like a designated place. Mm-hmm. Okay. True. <laughs> designated place. I mean, you don't have a stunt double. It has to be you. <laughs> <laughs> but are you, so when you look at a picture of you, is that you in the picture? Or like, is that something you're pretending to be? Does it really represent who you are? Sometimes. I mean, not usually. At least not that I can see clearly, although there was a picture of me being wrapped up in like a long fur blanket. Mm-hmm. I think I remember that one. Yeah, like it, it was a gray fur blanket. Long and time ago. Yeah, and I, in that picture, I was pretending to be like a Yeti. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah. Uh, do, hmm. Is there there's so many questions now? Uh, <laughs> well, like I don't understand. Where, like, okay. where does the the cutoff? Where is that cut? Like, like that picture you you were imagining yourself as a yeti. Other pictures you're yeah. not imagining yourself as anything. Where is that cutoff? Like, what what makes you decide to go yeti or go? So normal or, or 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 what? I don't know. It's it's based on like things that I've seen from like movies or scenes that I imagine in my head. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, turning into a raptor in the pipes was from movies where like a dinosaur that is usually a raptor is like coming down a corridor menacingly. Sure. No, mm-hmm. so sometimes we do this thing where he'll be he'll be posing and we'll say something I'll say something like, um, just listen to the sound of the wind or what do you hear right now? Or what do you smell right now? That kind of stuff. Usually it's something like that, or I'll just say look at the lens for a second or don't look at the lens mm-hmm. or I don't say anything because I don't really pose them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he's just being in the moment, I think. Yeah. So if she says like, for example, listen to the wind, what are you listening for? Like what's, what's happening there? I just listen for like other sounds carried on the wind sometimes. Yeah. Does that affect the way you pose or your facial expressions or you just kind of let it do whatever and she can do her thing? Sometimes it affects how I pose, but if I hear, say, the noise of construction equipment, Mm -hmm. which is happening a lot lately because they're putting houses in a gravel pit next to our house. Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But you generally tend to be more sensitive to sound than other people. Right. Oh, okay. It makes me like a master eavesdropper, too. (laughs) Like... (laughs) But I can, like, hear the tone that's, like, classic for when my parents are annoyed. And then I listen in more intently on the, like, on their conversation. (laughs) Then I'll, like, because then I'll hear what they're plotting. Easy plot. (laughs) All of this plotting. So how does it how does it <laughs> how does it feel to see yourself in the pictures when it, when it's done and they're like there's some on the wall there there's just some everywhere how does it feel to see yourself like that 
it feels interesting. <laughs> and I honestly kind of like seeing it because I like sometimes I like being the center of attention and sometimes I don't. Like usually I do. Okay, mm-hmm. fair. S- same. <laughs> <laughs> probably why I'm not that. Like, I, probably why I wasn't that nervous about the podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. So when you see yourself in the pictures, uh, what do you think about that? Like, sometimes I think about where I was that day. So it brings up other memories, not just the the session. Right. That's similar to taking the photo. Vanya and I were talking about how when you take a photo and you see it later, you remember things that happened long before you took the photo or long after you took mm-hmm. the photo, but that photo is so important that it will kind of almost symbolize the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We did a 365 project. Well, we basically have this continuous 365 project yeah. that we've done for years, but mm-hmm. um, it was more formal at one point that it was like each day had a picture and- oh. That really, like, we would do our adventure for that day, right? And you liked seeing those. Yeah. Yeah, we'd go various places like Mill City Museum in Minneapolis or mm-hmm. Waterfalls mm-hmm. or, like, other museums that aren't as much about history kind of thing. Like, I don't know, say, Science Museum or something. Sure. yeah. Did you ever worry about how you look in the photos? Um, not really. I mean, sometimes I think that I look younger than I'd like to in the photos, but that's all. I mean, I don't think about, like, how handsome I'm looking because (laughs) I, like, because... I don't actually care much. Okay. As long as I'm not like supremely unhandsome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's something I try to strive for as well, to not be supremely (laughs) unhandsome. Uh, Sometimes I pull it off. (laughs) (laughs) Some of your mom's photos show you crying or bleeding. How do you feel about those ones? I feel a little uncomfortable about them, but not much. And uh, I let her post them because that it's just, it's real life stuff like that happens. Yeah. Like sometimes you get a bloody nose when you're in the bath or sometimes you cry because something happened that you're sad about or you're tired or kind of things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I really like how you have someone there for you who will capture those moments and sort of to remember those moments and celebrate those moments. That's really a special thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think sometimes getting those ordinary moments that aren't sort of what you would normally take a picture of, but if you can get those ordinary moments on film, it it elevates them they become more important or they become as important as they really are. Yeah. You started out with shooting digital, Kate. Mm-hmm. So Ian, has the have the sessions changed much as, as your mom's evolved through photography, starting with digital, with those those Nikons, to <laughs> this eight by yeah. 10, it's an eight by 10 Deerdorf, isn't it? Or is it four by five? Yeah. Okay. No, I have an eight by 10 Deerdorf. I shoot four by five more. Okay. Um, 
She shouted Deirdar for like a while at first because it was new and <laughs> exciting. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah everyone <laughs> likes new things. <laughs> so how have the sessions changed from when she was shooting digital to to, to now? I've had to hold still more and they've been a little longer because that she takes longer to get stuff packed up and uh, change pictures and stuff. Like all of the setup, you mean? Yeah. So it just, it requires a little more patience on your part. Yeah. Although also that I get more of a reward for it at the end. I just mean more time to play. No, I mean, honestly, it makes sense. You're doing more work. You deserve more compensation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's hard to argue with that. (laughs) So, I mean, we're winding down here. Um, Like a a basic question, though. What what do you think makes a good photo? Like, what, what is that thing that makes a good photo? If they communicate something that, like, say, a family photo of, like, everyone smiling is, in my mind, not as good a photo as one that's, like, a photo with the person, like, with showing the person's current feelings, and especially something that's, like, relates to those feelings. So so something that's... More honest. Like, say, me looking annoyed, maybe because my iPad hasn't charged up from 0% and I want to play it. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I like that mix. I never, I mean, I'm getting a sense, well, from your photos, they're very timeless, but there's so much current <laughs> going on in them. Like, well, this is, oh, there's this ethereal feel like we said this this fairy tale feel but like right under the surface there's like well you know my 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 ipad <laughs> right exactly yeah, that's I, all I love that i love that because it very much feels like a movie set in that way then mm-hmm. do you like black and white photos more than color photos varies i mean okay. like i think that like photos of waterfalls should always be in color it's interesting. I took a a picture of there's a rainbow falls in Mammoth and I purposely took it in black and white. <laughs> <laughs> just be just to be sassy. Just to be a kind of a yeah, just to be a monster. I did take a <laughs> phone picture of the rainbow cuz it reflects a rainbow. That's why they call it Rainbow Falls. Oh, okay. uh, but I did shoot a film picture of it. <laughs> In black and white. I don't know. I'll have to go back and shoot it in color. I think I think you were probably right about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it brings out, like, the contrast between the surrounding region and uh, the waterfall itself. Mm-hmm. You have some strong opinions about uh, long exposure to waterfalls also, don't you? Yeah, I think waterfalls should have short exposure. Or whatever you call it. Okay. Um, Why? Then it makes it look like the waterfall actually would if you visited it. Okay. Okay. So when you have the longer exposure Mm -hmm. and the water has is is 
Blurred, I guess. That doesn't seem as realistic. Okay. Almost kind of looks like, reminds me of like smoke or something. Yeah. I like that personally, but I'm not always after realism. True. (laughs) All right. Is that, is that, I think we, we, we blew through them. Thank you guys so much for for coming on and talking yeah. with us. We really appreciate it. This has it been was, so much fun. It was really nice to get to know you. Uh, we see your your photos all the time on your on your mom's feed. So it was, it was really great. Adios, amigos. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. <laughs> At one time, Nell Dora was a well-known and adored photographer. She had books and gallery shows. She photographed the simple, the sublime, and the famous. But in the years since her final book in 1975, she's been all but forgotten. None of her books are in print. Few of her published photos are available online. And even when it comes to listing obscure women photographers, her name is hardly remembered. We aim to change that. This will be a different sort of segment, as Kate Miller-Wilson has agreed to stick around. In fact, it was Kate who suggested Nell Dore. Let's give it the hell up for Kate Miller-Wilson sticking around. Thanks for letting me stick around. Well, of course. Of, we, we, we wouldn't say no. <laughs> so you suggested Nell Dore to, to us a, a while ago, a little while ago. Well, uh, we, we were talking about a different photographer, and you're like, oh, but, but Nell, Nell Dore. So yeah. what, what, what's up with that? Well, I don't even remember how I learned about her work. I think somebody saw the kind of things I shoot and suggested her to me, but I bought one of her books and I just loved, I loved what she was doing. And I really like how you guys profile, you know, women photographers who might be lesser known and she definitely qualifies. She does. Yeah, there's... Almost. I mean, I I never heard of her. No, me either. When I saw her pictures, I was like, this is a very Kate photographer. (laughs) (laughs) It is a very Kate photographer. Because we were talking about the photographer from from Encampment, Wyoming, whose name I can never, ever remember. Laura Nichols. Yeah. Laura Webb Nichols. And yeah, we'll be actually talking about her next season. But it was through it was because of our discussion about Laura Webb Nichols that we came to Nell Dore. That's right. They're not that similar, really, but yeah. No, not at all. I was expecting something kind of similar and not at all. <laughs> so this feature is going to be handled a little differently than we normally do. It's going to be kind of an open discussion with a little bit of reading. So kind of the best of both worlds. Kate will be reading the quotes that we've pulled from Nell Dore. Nell Dore left very little of her own writing uh, published anyway. And there was a piece in a book called Recollections, is that right? Yeah. And she has like a two-page essay in there about her work and her life. It's a bio, and that's what we're kind of going on here. There's not a lot to go on. So, Vanya. Yes? Why don't you start us off here about telling us a little bit about Nell. Nell was raised in Massillon, Ohio, by a mother and father who ran a photography studio together. By the age of seven, she was taking photos with a pinhole camera her father made for her. By 10, she was washing prints for the studio. The water was icy cold, and my fingers would turn blue and get numb. But I was proud to be on the team. My father's praise was my reward. Growing up, she met and became best friends with future silent film star Lillian Gish, whose aunt lived nearby. Both Gish and her aunt changed Nell's feelings towards photography. It was her aunt Emily who first made me aware of the beauty of the mother and child. 
As I watched her bending over the cradle of her newborn baby, I knew that what I wanted more than anything in the world was to be a mother. Lillian's loveliness had a great impact on me, too. I came to realize how important beauty was and how necessary to capture and share it with my camera. It was around that time that she married Tom Coons, a friend of her brother's. They had a daughter and then moved to Miami. With World War I, Tom was drafted but served stateside in Miami. After the war and after their third child, a third daughter, the real estate market went bust. It was 1927. Everything went bust. While the stock market was crashing and Tom was freaking out, Nell needed an escape. I just wanted to run away, to escape. I bought a small sailboat, and each day I would take my camera and perhaps some bread and cheese and go down and explore among the keys. These islands were deserted and seemed like a different world to me. I would sometimes take a child or two with me and photograph them as they played in the water and the mangroves. Nell soon developed this practice into an idea, a study of growing up from youth to adulthood. With this, she began working with models, and soon she was able to construct a sort of narrative that became her first book, Mangroves, which was later reissued as In a Blue Moon. So now we discuss it. Let's discuss this book. <laughs> okay. We, 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 none of us have this book, <laughs> but we do have some stills from it. So the book Mangroves, it was really praised when it came out in the 30s. That surprised me quite a bit because it is mostly nudes mm -hmm. and flowers. Nudes and flowers in a very unique way. She presents it in a way that I've never seen before, honestly. There's a lot of like really amazing spread. This one in particular that I'm looking at right now, it looks like a young girl with flowers in her hair kind of sitting on a mangrove tree. And then on the other side of the spread, which would be like the page next to it, it's little like minnow fish. Oh, like, yeah, how did she get yeah. that? Did she like sink her camera in the water? Did she take it from above? Like, how how did she get that? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's I'm amazing. so confused right now. <laughs> I'm like, what? How did she do this? <laughs> I love how she, in this series, sort of has the models being part of nature. It's almost difficult to tell where nature ends and the models begin. It's just, it's really cool. It's sort of a pictorialist style, but this is after that time or toward the tail end of it. Yeah, I wrote something a little bit about mangroves. I, I wrote the fact that she would go down to the Keys and just to like be away makes me feel connected to her life in a way. And it's probably many of you guys our listeners live in the cities. We all have jobs and we have to make some sort of living. But my daydreams are always away from the city, photographing open ranges, knoll of humans where I can feel not rushed and I can kind of look at the emptiness and kind of fall in love with photography and my cameras all over again. This book, I was instantly like drawn to. There's just something beautiful. Like, I mean, these are naked bodies, but these naked bodies didn't grow up with the male gaze <laughs> in mind. It's different. Like, I think that even as like my age group of people or even my daughters who's 13, she's grown up with pictures of what women need to look like if they're naked. And I think that we all kind of carry that with us throughout our life, even if we don't realize it. And it's that male gaze. And this is just the complete opposite of it. It looks so new to me. And this was done in 1929. 
Yeah. Yeah. When she was shooting this, I, I get the feeling that she was kind of doing it in secret. In Miami, there was a columnist called named Jack Bell. He did a photography column in the Miami Herald. And in 1931, this would have been, I guess, after the pictures were taken, but probably before she published the book, he was complaining about photographers, except Nell Coons, which was her name at the time, Nell Coons. Nell is different. In the first place, she doesn't shoot newspaper pictures. She doesn't go prying around the beaches looking for shots of nude women. Yeah. I mean, I think he's talking about peeping Toms. When I read that, I was like, oh, well, that'd be really interesting to see what, what he thinks of mangroves. Because, you know, it, it was that. What he thought of mangroves. I didn't realize that she sailed down there. Like, she just went up, like, so many <laughs> levels because I thought she drove. And it was I was thinking about it, too, because, I mean, not all the bridges were probably built by then. I don't, I don't know how it worked back then with, like, getting to each of the keys, but oh my gosh, that must have been so amazing to just have a little sailboat and just like cruise around the keys. Oh, it's, it's like gotta be magic. <laughs> I mean, I could see how being away from everybody in the 20s, bringing these people, um, you know, these models out where they can feel comfortable because you are in the middle of nowhere. So having that privacy to be able to photograph people and take your time probably made a lot of a, a a big impact as well. So she she wasn't doing this publicly. I mean, the, obviously she's sailing into these private places with the models. The models are at ease because they aren't going to be seen and discovered. Mm -hmm. And and Nell's being praised as somebody who doesn't photograph nude women. Yeah. And then you found that same newspaper writer's reaction to the book. So yes, two years later columnist Jack Bell wrote, Nell writes with a camera. She searches for days in the Everglades or down on the Keys for her locations. Then she finds some beautiful girl. They dash away in the early hours of the morning. Nell puts the girl in the location, clothes her subject in sunlight and rhythm, snaps the camera, develops the plates, calls it caprice or foam or sea grapes, and tells you more than you could learn by reading for an hour. That's wonderful. Interesting. Yeah, so that's that's Mangroves. It's a book that's been republished as In a Blue Moon. It is, like all of her other stuff, not available. There are some stills. We will have them for you. You can probably find a copy of this maybe in the $30 to $50 range at a used bookstore. So yes, let's move on from Mangroves. Vanya? Tom was out of a job, and it was up to Nell to support the family with her photography. Tom thought it was the end of the world but I reacted in the opposite way. My father and I made a sign and hung it outside the studio. The simple shingle read, Nell Coons, photographer. As a professional photographer, she took photos for the Miami newspapers, mostly portrait work for the society pages. She also worked for Gondolier, a society magazine. Her regular work in the studio filled in the rest. It being Florida, the work was only seasonal and mostly in the spring. But she was unhappy, her marriage was failing. Tom couldn't adjust to her being the breadwinner. And soon they were divorced, though they remained close friends. In 1932, she spent a summer in Connecticut with Lillian and would make the commute to New York in search of a job. Though she couldn't find a job, she was still photographing. Her subjects were mostly Lillian and her friends, but she missed her children. And by the end of the year, she'd opened a studio in the city and had her kids with her. Once again, she was photographing mostly portraits of men. The portrait of poet Carl Sandburg being her most famous from this era. But she also photographed scientist John Doerr, they fell in love 
and then by 1934, they were married. In her essay, Nell glosses over the next 15 or even 20 years of her life. She traveled and raised her family and became a grandmother. During World War II, with the husbands of her three daughters drafted, she began to focus again upon photography. I bought an old house in New Hampshire without running water or electricity, but we loved it. My three daughters and six grandchildren moved in with me. Our only contact with the outside was the everyday coming of the mailman and the letters from the war-torn world to our peaceful one. We made for ourselves a magic world, and out of this came the pictures that were to become Mother and Child. Now, Mother and Child is a book that you have, Kate, and I also have. And Vanya, we have, I actually went through and I took pictures of every single page for you. (laughs) Yay, thank you. I have no nail door books. (laughs) Yet. Yet. (laughs) So Kate, this was the first book that you you told me about. This was one that drew you to to Nell. Yeah, I think because, I mean, it's a similar subject matter to a lot of my own pictures, but it sort of spoke to me for that reason. Then her use of light in it is just amazing too. Yeah, it's incredible. The book is, uh, is your book square? No, okay, my it's bo- a rectangle. Really? My book is square. Well, that's interesting then. Are the pictures different? I don't know. We haven't compared them. Yeah, my mine pictures have, are all square. Uh, and they're- f- Oh, and mine are not square. Mine are full bleed too. So like- And so are mine. So we must have different crops. We do. I wonder if you have more than I do or if I have more than you do. You may have more than I do. Oh, that's interesting. Because like even just looking at the pictures, my thought was, well, she must be using something, a square format of some kind. I figured TLR. Oh, Oh, that's interesting. But if I would have seen them as rectangular, I don't know if I would have thought that. Huh. That is interesting. Wow. So let's get geeky here. What edition do you have? Do you have it with you? I think it is the second, or or at least a re-released edition. Okay. Let me see. Uh, Copyright 1972. Okay, yeah. This mine is, mine's 1954. Yeah, I guess whichever copy you get, you're going to get photos in it. But the photos are interesting, I think. They're, it's, well, it's of them living in this this house without electricity or running water. And it's her daughters taking care of, you know, her granddaughters or grandchildren, I guess. Yeah. The most striking thing about it, I think, is the the juxtaposition between the spreads the, from the, on the left page to the right. Yeah, a lot of them are almost like a diptych. Yes. Like the way she chose to pair things is interesting. Mm-hmm. They very much play against each other and with each other. They do. I really enjoy the use of natural light in these. And yeah. it makes sense since she was living in this place with no electricity and living off the land and these photos are kind of kind of like that a little bit she's she's using light from windows to get indoor images uh some have a little bit of motion blur blur to them which i'm starting to fall more in love with because i don't know when we decided as photographers we like Everything had to be completely crisp and and stopped. It was the F sixty four people. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> I bet you're right. I think so. It shows movement. I mean, because children like they they're running around. They're play. They're playful, and the photos are playful. It just looks more natural. Yeah, she's showing. I mean, with the movement, it shows the passage of time. So she's capturing this moment, but it's really not. It's not just one moment, it's it's sort of time passing. I guess there's another part to it is that Tasha Tudor was somehow involved. 
Yeah. And she was a children's illustrator and a children's storybook author living in Vermont. At least she was for in, for a while anyway, living in Vermont in a very similar situation without electricity and without without running water purposely. And so it would be really interesting to know like how they connected. <laughs> like how do you connect with somebody like that? I wonder if she was staying in the home with them or visiting or yeah. what. There's no There must have been like a farmers market or something <laughs> where people would go and trade. I'm assuming. You know what I mean? Like hey, like I got these things. What do you got? I got eggs. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know. I don't know much about Tasha Tudor. Uh, I remember liking her as a kid and yeah. and just being really kind of taken by her as an adult, but I don't know much about her. But I guess she's in the book too, right? She's photographed, right? She's the subject of several of the pictures holding a baby. So I don't know. I don't know what the circumstances are. I think that's interesting. I mean, there isn't, there's a story here. It's an, it's an odd story because it's, it's all women, except maybe if there's like a, a, a boy child. I, I, there's, you know, it's women and, and young indistinguishable children. It's all women and children. There's no men at all in this. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, I don't see nothing quote unquote masculine or anything like that, because I think that's a silly term, but it's a, it's a very soft book. And I don't mean that in like women are soft sort of way, because it's also a very rugged book. Living on the land with no electricity and no running water, that's pretty badass. <laughs> I don't know if I could do it. I mean, I've, I maybe for a while, but I don't know. I like my hot showers. <laughs> That's right. true. It's better if you're camping. Yeah. <laughs> the photos are wonderful. There's also, um, there's a poem in here. Did she write that? I think so. Kate, you mentioned yesterday to me a passage from her talking about her camera. Oh, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. I can find yeah. that. It, it has like interspersed with the photos, some poems and little bits of writing. And I initially skipped over that because I usually do that when I when I get a photo book. I just look at the photos. But this passage talks about her camera and what causes her to take a picture. Out of the cradle, endlessly rocking, comes this theme of mother and child. This music always around us, as long as memory holds. Man comes before it with wonder, bringing frankincense and myrrh. Yet the centuries have given the world only a few Michelangelos to translate this wonder into lasting form. How different is the story that a little black box will tell to the centuries to come? But is it worthy, I ask? This camera, is it worthy? You can trust it to be true, a voice answers me. It is a window of clean, clear glass, opening into the very midst of life. Put the question where it belongs. Can the offender be in me, I ask? It could be, the voice answers. Life is greater than you know, and you are not trusting. It has its own structure and pulse and heartbeat. I can only tell you that it is yours for the taking, this picture, not for the making. Come close to it. Love it. Give it room to be. Remember that some things need more room than others. Respect such need. It seems that she probably wrote this after selecting the photos and as, you know, the book was coming together. It'd be interesting to to do that, to collect something, something so specific from a specific time, and then being be able to put it to words where you're really just questioning your your ability to do what you just did. Right. <laughs> and you're almost like your authority to do what you just did. 
one of the things I love about that is she talks about having to wait for the photo and giving it space to be. And I think a lot of great things are like that. I know that interacting with my children is that way, that sometimes I need to wait for them to formulate their thoughts or process something before they're going to say an answer to a question or, I don't know, any kind of interaction. And then sometimes what you get is profound because you had that space and that time of waiting. And I think that can be true with photos also, waiting for the right moment to happen. Yeah, I agree. It's I I struggle with this because I, I hear a lot of people that do portraits and they're like, yeah, you need to direct your subject. You need to do this. You need to do that. And I do that to a very, very minimal like extent. Um, for the most part, it seems like I'm just trying to get them to like relax and be comfortable. And I'm, I don't want to necessarily say I'm being sneaky, but I kind of am because <laughs> I am waiting for them to stop posing for me to take a picture. So I'm trying to take a picture between the poses when it's the most natural uh, part. They don't know that, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm not looking for like a, you know, specific like model for me. I'm looking just for that moment of like, some sort of emotion that they have or feeling or any kind of real moment. <laughs> and I think that's always a struggle when you're like it's, uh, children. I mean, I'm sure your children are comfortable with you photographing them, but there's moments where they're like, okay, like, uh, I don't want to do this right now. I'd rather go play or do something else. So getting them out of that mindset and letting them kind of just like relax for a minute. I could see that kind of helps. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think what you're describing is exactly how I shoot too, that that moment in between posing or or being in some other place or, you know, being conscious of the camera. People when people stop thinking about that, that's when you get the real picture, the the real thing that you want to capture of this person. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, like say I did a photo shoot with somebody and we're like, okay, we'll just do like, you know, 30 minutes of time. The 30 minutes of time was literally just practice. And the last like five minutes was where all the pictures came from. It seems like a lot mm. of the times in the beginning, I don't, I don't necessarily feel like the first 10 photos are going to be the ones that I'm going to be showing. It's always the, the end, the end of the role that are, are the, is where the good stuff is. <laughs> <laughs> that totally makes sense, though. I feel like I'm missing out on something. I know. You should start taking <laughs> pictures of people, Eric. He did. He took a picture of me, and it's, it's honestly, like, because I don't like pictures of myself just like any other photographer. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite pictures I've ever seen of myself. I don't like any. And he did like a phenomenal job. I was like, oh my God, I like this so much. <laughs> Which one was that? Was that the one you come up the stairs? Yeah. And I did. I waited for that. I knew you were coming up. I saw the stairs and like, well, I knew she's going to come up this way and she'll, um, you, did you have your board on your head or did you? Okay. That was, I, I knew the picture was going to happen. I knew what I was going to get. Mm -hmm. So you're just waiting for that moment. See? That's so yeah. cool. There's a paragraph that Nell wrote about mother and child that kind of ties things up a little bit for us. All of my photographs are the direct result of my personal history. My childhood influences of home and family, 
and my craving for beauty and harmony in life. Mother and child was the result of the untimely death of my daughter in young motherhood. My comfort was to search through all the many pictures of the happy hours before her death, pictures made with no thought of their ever being published, just taken for the sheer joy of catching a beautiful moment. These were now treasures, and I gathered them together into a little book. Do we want to say anything about that? I don't... Yeah, it it changes. I mean, I think we all take pictures without... I mean, well, we know when we take pictures, we take them because we know time is fleeting and moments are fleeting. But I think that's a whole other level of understanding that. And it's interesting that instead of being hard for her to look at, the photos brought her comfort. Yeah, it brought her back to those that time. But I also think it changed her. Between Mangrove and Mother and Child, She, she I guess she photographed some, but she kind of stopped. Her, she ha- kind of has two careers in a way, at Florida as Nell Coons, and then two decades later as Nell Dorr. Following the publication of Mother and Child, Nell traveled to Mexico in 1962 to photograph a village for her book, The Bare Feet, which we won't be covering here, but she, she did another book called Bare Feet about Mexican villages. That same year, her husband died, which is something she doesn't mention at all in her essay. As the Vietnam... As the Vietnam War escalated, and with her eldest grandson in the army, she found herself overcome with emotion. I had no actual pictures of the war, only my intense feeling about war that could not silently accept what was happening. Searching through my journals, I found words to speak for me. In searching my own heart, I found in pictures a way to speak, to release my pent-up emotions. So that brings us to Of Night and Day, the third book we'll be discussing of hers. This is a book that I have and that neither of you have. <laughs> but again, I took pictures of all the pages and they are up on on a Google Drive. Mm, yes. So this is the um, more like abstract book. This is a very abstract book. She pulled photos from across her career. So this isn't just things she took for this book. She did go back through, like she did with Mother and Child. Uh, she went back through a certain portion of her life for Mother and Child. But I think for of night and day, she went back through whatever she could grab. Some of these are photograms, right? I mean, we have to assume. Photograms? Yeah. I mean, they. I, I was reading that she made pictures using photograms. So that would be like without a camera. Oh, okay. So just weird light leaking onto film. Right around to photo paper of some kind or. Yeah. Little pinholes, little cuts. Yeah. There's this one spread I'm looking at right now really like a lot it's looks like almost like a a a full eclipse and then there's maybe one of her daughter's uh faces or maybe grand granddaughter's face on the other side and like little looks as little slits in the paper or or whatever is covering it Hmm. i don't know she doesn't go into any detail at all on how she took these photograms Mm -hmm. there is a an online archive that has a lot of the photos in it and you can get dates from them, but really not more than that. Sometimes names, but that's about it. For the most part, the book is on the right side, a picture or a photogram, and on the left side, text. Often a poem or something from like Longfellow or Thoreau or something like that. It's very wordy. And so she pulled things she said from her diary or from her journal that she kept. She would keep, I guess, quotes 
there are some spreads in the book, like the the full bleed two-page spread of the ocean. Yeah, I love the sort of combination of images she chose. There's these really abstract things, and then there's very clearly representational photos, mm-hmm. too. It's just really interesting. But then you also have photos that are very much not like the stuff in Mother and Child or Abstract. You have like the one of the woman holding a child, which is very much like Mother and Child, yes, but this is not a white woman. Mm -hmm. And you have- Kind of like some Latin American like uh, street photography as well. And then she has some stuff of of ice melting. Uh, You have a really interesting spread of a grandfather clock flanked by two chairs and two candles opposite- an older woman, I guess, in a an old in a timeless dress, setting a table. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is like mother and child. It's available, uh, and you, as used book. And, and if you you know hunt around, you can you can find it for a decent price. I think it's worth absolutely worth picking up if you're into. Well, I guess if you're into photographs, I didn't. I never heard of the term before, which is, I don't know, maybe odd or just abstract or or you know late sixties. This is what sixty eight, I think. How an older liberal woman would translate the late 1960s. <laughs> Cause I think this is kind of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to ask me, like, interesting. how would an older liberal woman translate the late sixties? Like, well, maybe this, this is pretty much what I would guess. <laughs> I love it. And I think the woman walking out of the ocean, which I think is like the third or fourth picture in the yeah. book, that is fucked up. It's, <laughs> I love it. It is. It's striking. It's blurry. And I don't, I don't know. It's terrifying. (laughs) I don't know if it's supposed to be. I don't know. I don't know what was going on in her head when she took, I don't know who this person is. It's probably her daughter. I don't, I have no idea, but it's something that is unsettling, Mm -hmm. you know, from how small the waves are to just how like the, the, there's like the mist in the background to what seems is like a menacing almost smile on her face. It's really unsettling. I want to take a picture like this. <laughs> so Nell would publish next Life Dance in 1975. This was a fantastical book, something like something Julia Cameron might have done if she had shot outdoors. It was mostly children in costumes dancing. And there's a little bit of that in both Mother and Child, which is the cover, mm-hmm. and also I think a little bit of it in Night and Day, I think. It's more. It's it's very it's not midsummer, but it's not not midsummer. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I need to get this one as well. <laughs> yeah, you don't have this one, but you are I don't have it. I don't have pictures from it. There's a few online, mm-hmm. but that's about it. You don't have it yet. I don't have it yet. Yes. <laughs> I will be getting it. Yeah. She died in 1988 and should have left an impression. Though her published works were few compared to other photographers, she had supported herself for almost an entire life through photography. Well, like I said, her work is out there in books. If you have the luck, patience, or fortune to find them. Fortune, take that however you want to take it. <laughs> Hundreds of her photos are, some of them are, some of them are really pricey, but there's a lot of them that are signed. So if you find really liking her work and you want to drop a couple of hundred on a book that's signed, they're available. They're very available. 
So hundreds of her photos are available to view in the Amon Carter Museum. I think it's a Texas museum. I don't know how they got a bunch of her prints, but they did. Mm. There's a digital archive. We'll have the link in the show notes. There's a couple hundred there, maybe. A lot of them from her books. A lot of, and I love seeing this, a lot of um, alternate takes. Whenever you find a photo that you just absolutely adore, it's wonderful when you can find an, an online gallery, an online archive, and find different takes of that photo. Mm. It's one of my favorite things. We did that with Evelyn Cameron. We did that with the FSA photographers, which is super easy because they're all public domain. Mm -hmm. And we can do it with Nell Dorr. Like we take. We don't just take one photo of something. And go, masterpiece. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do that, Kate? Or is it one and done? Um, no, it's not one and done. I'm not I'm not especially experimental with different emulsions. I shoot a lot of FOMO Pan 100. But I try to do it from different angles or like the same scene close up and, you know, the composition, changing the composition up. I don't know how I would do it with people. I don't know if I would, I don't, I don't know. But with the location, I do, I love just setting the camera up at a very square, you know, very normal looking photo, maybe taking it. And then walking around the scene, exploring the scene a little bit, waiting for a certain cloud or waiting for, you know, the sun to do, or waiting for a shadow. You know, if there's like a shadow, you can tell where the sun's moving and there's a shadow from, from you know, on the house that hits the wood grain a certain way. You can tell like, oh, in like an hour, it'll be a little different. You know, maybe, I, maybe I'll wait for an hour, maybe. That's eh, it's a big ask for me, but maybe. <laughs> but you know, it ha it's happened, it's happened before. I think that waiting gives you the opportunity to, to take it from different angles. And I always get a little bummed because I get home, I develop the pictures and I have like, oh, here's, here's 10 pictures of this house or whatever. It's like, I can't, I can't share 10 pictures of the same thing on Instagram. That's that's atrocious. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't do that. But then I'm stuck with like, well, I've got like nine pictures that I'll never do anything with. What do I do with them? And I guess they had the same problem. They, they, they just said nothing. <laughs> they do nothing with them. <laughs> but I want to do things with them. So I've started, I've started taking them, like I said, on different emulsions, but I've been using those emulsions for projects. Mm -hmm. Like this certain emulsion will be for this project. So if I take a different angle, it's it, it counts as a, a whole other picture, not just a different version. So I've been kind of lying to myself a little bit. And that's, it's been working. I, I like it. I like that idea, though. Oh, what, lying to yourself? No. <laughs> well, oh. sometimes that's necessary. But, it is. Um, no, I just really like the idea of having different projects in mind for them because I have that same problem. Like, you know, I have a kid in the lilacs, say, or something. And it's like, oh, okay, you know, I can take some close. I can take some far away. I can change the angle. I can change the tilt and the swing. And essentially, though, they're all pictures of kids in the lilacs. And mm -hmm. you can't share all of those. Yeah. But if you have yeah, a so you, different you... project in mind, that's cool. Before we started all of this, we picked out each two photos that we'd want to discuss mm -hmm. that, that she took. Let's have Kate. She's Kate, our guest. guest. Yes. Oh. Yes. Go. No pressure. Okay. One of the ones I picked isn't published in any of the books. So it's called The Calla Lily. And I don't know. It, so it's it's a portrait of a woman. Um, and she's looking directly into a calla lily. But it's very interesting because it's 
it's very close framing. Like the composition has her eyes very high in the frame and that's kind of not a traditional way to compose a portrait. It's, but it, but because of that, it makes it very interesting. And then in the foreground, there's the calla lily. This was definitely taken with a view camera because there's a tilt on it to have the calla lily in focus and her eyes in focus, but her shoulders and her dress kind of fade out of focus. And that gives this incredible dreaminess and it makes it feel really magical. And part of that is also in her gaze. It's like she's looking into it like it's a crystal ball or something. It looks like she's intently staring at it, but almost staring through it. Yeah, exactly. I picked mangroves. The actual photo is called mangroves. And it is a woman in a mangrove tree kind of nestled in between the branches. The shape of the tree and the human form, it's like nature and a natural body kind of together as one contrasted between like a very cloudless sky. I picked this because it is so unique from what we're used to seeing. And this was done a hundred years ago. Um, wow, it's yeah. just stunning. It's beautiful. It's no. yay. <laughs> yay. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I like what you said about the the female gaze instead of the male gaze. I mean, she's she's not posed in such a way that it's designed to interest a photographer as a sexy photo. It or not a photographer, but a viewer as a sexy photo. It's not it's not a sexy photo. It's mm-hmm. it's a photo that has the human body as part of nature. It's much more accepting in a way. It's like there's less of a demand on it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Can can we actually share that one on Instagram? Um, Probably if you block out the boobies. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, did I say boobies? (laughs) I think you might have. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll have to get a booby blocker, I guess. Yes. (sighs) Those darn nipples. They'll get you every (laughs) time. They will. Uh, nasty things. <laughs> useless. <laughs> useless. <laughs> useless. Damn, damn useless nipples. Well, maybe men, which is interesting because it's like, yeah, like men, men can have their shirt off on Instagram and you can, they can flaunt their nipples around. They don't even, they're not but even used for anything. I don't want them looking to. better in a bathing suit. Oh God. No, I said my least favorite thing about summer is like man chests and man feet. Just, just cover that shit up, guys. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I'm going to start with one that was also taken during the mangroves time era, which was called Alone. And it's a photo of a woman walking on a beach. The sky is very dark. It's very black, except for the bit of cloud in there. I don't know. Were they using red filters at this point? I don't know, but it looks like very... Very contrasting. Yeah, no, this could have been something that, that she did for the print as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what her method was, but she was really into printing. And her perspective is very low because, you know, she looks like she's a little bit lower down uh, on the um, sand dune. It does. Yeah, she is, I think, shooting shooting up a little bit. But I mean, a lot of her photos are. If you look at most of the photos in Mother and Child, those are all taken what I thought was a TLR from waist level. 
Mm-hmm. And so it wouldn't surprise me if this, I don't, I don't know what she shot with, you know, what shot this with, but it does seem like she's shooting a little lower and looking up and the body walking is silhouetted against the white clouds. And I guess it's the subject. I don't photograph people, so I don't know how to talk about photographing people. I'm, I'm looking at picture and literally just going, ooh, pretty picture. <laughs> it's a photo that I would, would take and one very similar to, to uh, a few that I've taken on hikes and such. What did you say? One of you said something about her caboose. Was that you, yes, Vanya? Yes, it was me. Yes. <laughs> the light on her caboose. The light on her yes. caboose, yes. <laughs> Which we figured might make a good pickup line for a photographer. Mm. Oh, most yeah. most definitely. Yeah, you can't fail with that. Yeah. And a little bit of light on her calf. And I respect that. I, I enjoy a nice calf muscle. <laughs> yes. I do. Hey, you know what? No shame. So my next one comes from Mother and Child. Um, I don't know the name of it. It is a picture of a little girl closing a curtain or opening a curtain, and the little girl is naked, and she's standing on tiptoe and just reaching up toward the the curtain. It's a very interesting photo. Well, first of all, the pose of the little girl kind of reminded me of some of Sally Mann's work, The Perfect Tomato, where Mm -hmm. one of her daughters is on tiptoe. It has the same kind of like graceful look, but the lighting is completely different. It just feels, it's very dark. It, the, the little girl's almost silhouetted. And it's interesting that the subject's face is turned away from the camera. She's looking out the window or up at the curtain. Sometimes when you do that, you get this really powerful thing like this picture. It also feels very real. Like this looks like a moment that somebody could just see happening that maybe now saw happening and then wanted to capture. Or if this were me, I would see the moment and then I would have to recreate it What after getting my camera set up. But mm-hmm. I mean, or if you're a short person like myself, you literally are just on tippy toes constantly <laughs> naked in your house trying to close the curtains. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> and the nudity part of it is really interesting too, because we can't share photos like that today. Mm-hmm. And I don't even take them of my children because it just, it isn't, it doesn't feel right. It feels invasive. But there are moments in life when you see a child doing something like this, standing up on tiptoe, and you think, I wish I could make a picture of this. It's just so simple and yeah. unselfconscious. Mm-hmm. And this picture also reminded me of a quote that I read from Neldor. And the picture captures this incredibly fleeting moment. Something that she said in Mother and Child is, a day is remembered for itself, and the picture is all we finally keep. I am here with my children. Um, It's interesting that you're saying that she was breaking the rules. I mean, she was raised in a portrait studio. So she was raised knowing the rules, how to shoot a portrait. Mm -hmm. And she took all of that, and I guess maybe from, from Lillian Gish's aunt, I, I guess, uh, and just, just kind of did her own thing with it, really intentionally, like you said, broke the rules, but knew the rules to break. So Vanya, your your second picture? Yes. I don't know what this mountain is called, but it's in Mexico. And I picked it because it is completely opposite of everything that I've seen her do. It's kind of a landscape and there's some farm animals and some farmers walking some 
some sheps, <laughs> some sheeps, <laughs> some sheppies down the down the dirt path. Mm-hmm. There's a snowy, like a snow filled mountain on the right hand side of the background, and then there's this kind of like dark tree on the the far left, and it kind of balance out, balances the the picture out. It it's just a a very unusual scene. It is, yeah, and I love it, and it's dark and contrasty and she lost so much shadow detail and who cares it's awesome she did (laughs) it is almost like she was shooting day for night yeah oh yeah yeah it's a really interesting photo and that was probably taken during one of the trips to mexico for bare feet yeah this was in the 50s yeah okay and Eric, your last photo, the perfect one to end on. <laughs> oh, I guess. Well, I like, I'm not, I was not raised Catholic. I'm not a Catholic, but I do enjoy some good Catholic iconography. And her photo of, it's just called crucifix, which is different from the one we talked about before, which was crucified. It's uh, from 1936. So it was in that weird period where she wasn't, there's not a lot published from that period anyway. And I don't know, she traveled a lot with her husband, so this could have been taken in another country, but it is a very emaciated Christ figure nailed to a um, a cross of some kind. And it's very contrasty, it's very dark. You can't, you have no idea how large or how small the crucifix is. It's not on a wall, because it looks like there's a wall in the back with like a cross above a, a, a painting or something. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe one of the stations of the crosses or uh, stations of the cross, stations of the crosses, cross, stations of the cross, like attorneys general. <laughs> I don't know. Only different. <laughs> it looks kind of like a charcoal drawing. It does. It really looks very charcoal-y. Yeah. It's very soft. It's something that if you're going to try to emulate it now, I would do it with a red filter on from a Retropan Soft. So that's, I mean, I've taken iconography before. I took a, a one of my favorite pictures I've ever taken is of a very diminutive looking Mary in a Catholic church in Nebraska where they had her off the pedestal and on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I was able to take a picture of looking down on her, which I'm sure is sacrilegious in some way, but you know, atheist. So I don't know if it matters. So- I really enjoyed taking that picture and I enjoy taking pictures inside Catholic churches. And I think it's maybe the coolest thing about the Catholic church is that they don't lock their doors and you can go inside and take pictures. So good on you, Catholics. You did something right. They're so um, decadent. They, they are decadent, yes. <laughs> <laughs> For a religion that kind of preaches austerity, they are they are rather decadent, yes. <laughs> so let me think we have six incredibly different pictures Mm-hmm. from Nell Dor that could easily have been taken by six different photographers. Yeah. And I think so that's, she yeah, she's so versatile. Yeah, she had a wide range of, of photography yeah. throughout her life. Yeah, and that doesn't even count the the photogram stuff that she did mm-hmm. in the abstract. And it was so hard to choose just a couple. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's so many good ones. Yeah. Yeah, I try not to look too hard because then I would ch- I would change my mind. So when Eric picked the the lady with the caboose, I was like, okay, good. You pick that one. I'm going to pick another one. Well, again, if you are interested in Neldor, we'll have links and all of that in the show notes, and there'll be pictures there. I hope you guys 
enjoy her work as much as, as we did. I really fell in love with yet another photographer. And that's one of the awesome things about this podcast is every every episode, I have a new favorite photographer. Yeah. Same. Or two, really, the guest and and <laughs> the photographer we're talking about. And it's just really, really wonderful. Yeah. And speaking of guests, thank you, Kate, for for coming on and, and joining us. This is kind of a an experiment we're trying for some spoilers. Maybe next season we'll do more of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you, you guys. It was super yeah. fun, and I'm honored that you asked me to. Oh, well, you should be honored. This was a pretty big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and I am. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Kate. It was awesome. Uh, all right. Okay. Well, thank you. And I guess we'll, we'll move on to the next part of the episode. So we'll see you after the music break. While some photographers might enjoy their pricey, fancy, well-bound books, we enjoy stapled, hand-sewn scenes, especially if they're cheaper, (laughs) because we poor. But lucky for us, we get to do this wonderful podcast, and people send us their zines for us to look at, review, and discuss. And today, we have one for you. Today, it's not just a zine. So I signed up for the monthly zine collector tier from Themselves Press. You remember Charlie? We interviewed them a few episodes ago. And this gets me every zine they put out, which is basically once a month. I think it's actually once a month. So typically we review zines that are available. And the one I got, Fever Dream by Jordan Brown, who is at cute strong sad boy on Instagram, is sold out for now. Though they're, I think they're reprinting. So not only that, but Charlie seems to be at their limit as far as the zine zine collector tier goes, very near their limit. So there's still a few spots open. I think they have 25 in all. I got the 20th. I closed it out, but then they opened a bit more. So head on over to Patreon to find out what that's all about. Yeah. So if you guys don't remember, we had Charlie on and this is kind of amazing what they're doing. Themselves Press is coming to kind of an interesting fork in the road. And I was talking to Charlie a little bit about this and they're, they're not quite at their limit as what they, for what they can do with the materials they have and the printer they have and all of that, but they're close. (laughs) And I don't know, they're not using Mixam. They're printing everything right in their apartment or or wherever. So that's awesome. And I love that. And the, the, the feel of their zines, the look of the zines, it's like something that Mixam can't give you. There is a definite, handmade feel to this. Not chintzy, not bad, but like a definite handmade DIY feel to it. As far as Jordan's zine goes, this is a full color collage and city-based photography. The text is typewritten on paper that is literally cut and pasted onto the photos. I mean, it really, it, it feels, it just feels right. It's a wonderful zine. I got the second edition. There's going to be a third and I'm really thrilled about that. But the cool thing about Themselves Press is that along with the zine came three different mini zines by Charlie, each cut out and folded from a single piece of paper. You know, the ones that are kind of like the the eight page one. Mm-hmm. Nine yeah. or nine square. Yeah, eight square. That's They're so awesome. awesome. I love those. <laughs> I really want to do one. I'm just kind of, and it's a little bit beyond me, I think. Oh, dude, I have like the the template, I think, on really? Photoshop. Really? Maybe I could do something with that. That'd be yeah. kind of fun. Just something, something extra to add in, right? Yeah. yeah, and why speaking not? of things that they add in, you got the, those three little zines, and there were stickers. There was a greeting card, and a, with a real life handwritten note. And 
this is absolutely essential when you're doing zines. You have to include something personal. It just means, I think it means as much as the zine does. I agree. I mean, right? You you do that. You write handwritten notes. I do. Sometimes I, I put Polaroids in there, stickers. I, I'm a terrible writer, but I say thanks. At least say <laughs> thanks and, and sign it and just thank people for, for yeah, buying your stuff. And that's so important. And yes. lastly, along with all of that, I got a casual science comb. That he will be giving to me because he has no hair. I will cherish this for the rest of my days. In all seriousness, when I was a kid, I always wanted to have a way to use like weird ass promotional items to promote something. When I was a kid, I had nothing to promote, but I wanted to put something on everything, pens, combs, chip clips, anything you could think of that you could put names on, I wanted to do that. And now that I have a podcast, I, I could do this. We should look into this. How about like a switchblade comb? Yeah, they don't make promotional switchblade combs. I mean, why not? (laughs) We'll look into the switchblade combs. (laughs) Yay. So Charlie is at Casual Science on Instagram and Themselves Press is at Themselves Press on Instagram. And of course the zine, which when it comes to the third printing, which I think is happening in July, but definitely check with them. At Cute Strong Sad Boy on Instagram the zine is Fever Dream, Jordan Brown is the name, and you really, it's, I love this zine. It's so, so wonderful. So definitely pick it up. If you'd like to support our podcast, you can help out at patreon.com slash lens. Supporters get our episodes two days early, discounts, and early access to our zines, shout outs on the show, and free back rubs. Oh, we don't do the free back rubs anymore. We had to, we had to stop <laughs> that. But my thumbs got so tired. So our entry level is $3, and that gives you all of that. But at our $5 a month level, you get snapshots, which are... Our monthly bonus episodes where you get a lot more detail about our own photographic journeys. We'll do some stuff this summer during our our break where we will probably uh, do some stuff in the field and talk about it. Yeah, we're going to try to upload from the field. We're not sure exactly how Patreon handles that. I assume not very well. It's a kind of a shaky app, but we'll see how it works. But at our $10 a month level, you get all of that. Plus, you get to hear our full-length interviews. And honestly, the the full-length interviews that we've been doing for the past few months have really, really been worth it. And the one we just did with Ian and Kate, mostly Ian, it was so revealing and so touching, and it just made me so happy. And that's just because I got to talk about dinosaurs. Apart from that, it was also just fucking amazing. So a big thank you to all our Patreons. We really couldn't do this without you. We really appreciate it. And keep your eye out on Patreon for some fun stuff coming up soon. And on this episode, we'd like to thank two new patrons who just signed up, Ben V and Gareth T. Thank you just so much. And thank everybody. We've got over 70 right now, and it's... I don't know, kind of mind-blowing. We will have to do something big when we get to 100. So, incentive.
Well, that's about all the podcasts we have for you today. But just as a reminder, remember, we'll be taking the month of July off. And, you know, maybe some of August we get back on our feet. And then for season three, we've got, well, we're kind of open. We're open to ideas. If you have ideas for large subject, big changes that you want us to make, we're kind of into that right now. You know, the little changes like, oh, maybe interview this person. Sure, we get those all the time. And that's wonderful. And we appreciate those. Or maybe talk about this photographer. Sure, we'll do that. But if you have ideas or things that you'd like to see happen on All Through a Lens, let us know because we're open to ideas for the time being. We'll see. Uh, is there anything else, Vanya, before we, we sign off for the season? Yes. Oh, good. Thank you for listening to All Through a Lens. If you'd like to contact us, we're at allthroughalens.podcast on Instagram. By email, it's allthroughalens.podcast at gmail. And we're allthroughalens on Twitter. You can also check out our show notes on allthroughalens.com. Vanya is at surfmartian. And Eric is at conspiracy.of.cartographer. Both on Instagram. And speaking of Instagram, make sure to hashtag yourself, hashtag allthroughalenspodcast to be featured. We actually do that, so use it. We also do a Spotify playlist for each episode, so check those out and see what we're listening to. Just search all through a lens. Jesus. Yeah, and we're doing a extra long one for summer because we're probably taking a hiatus from that as well. So get ready, I guess. You, you can also find our episodes on Spotify as well as on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and wherever the fucking hell else you can find podcasts. Please subscribe and please leave a review. The music you're hearing now is from Last Regiment of Syncopated Drummers, which you can find at lastregiment.com. Thank you all so much for listening this past season, even though nobody really knew it was a season. <laughs> we love you. See you in a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> See you in a month. Oh my God, See? you're going to like freak them out. All right. Don't worry. We'll be back like in a blink of an eye, you guys. Trust me. And the dev parties will still be going. Vanya? Yes. Um, can I ask you a serious question? Uh, I guess. Do you want to go from, like, Northern California through Nevada and Wyoming and Idaho and Montana and go out and shoot? Fuck yeah, I do! <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> oh my god cake 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 okay oh now i want cake i do too <laughs> <laughs>